Man, I love new teaching series. I'm excited about this series, covering a bunch of subjects that I think are going to hit home for us. Man, the rat race of life. The great chase, if you will. We grow up, and we get on that hamster wheel, and we start running as hard as we can to obtain blank. I don't know what it is that you're trying to obtain, but all of us are trying to obtain something. And so many of us spend our life getting up and chasing blank and not even realizing that blank doesn't matter. We think it matters. Society says it matters. Trying to keep up with the neighbors says it matters. But at the end of your life, I can promise you that very rarely are you going to look back on blank and be excited that that's what got all your time. It seems we live in a day and time where we're chasing everything and anything but what matters. I'm a big fan of the Joker, the Joker, the Batman, the Batman and the Joker. I, I always have liked the villains. I like the Joker. And I think I actually used this quote out there today to someone. I like there's a quote from the Joker and he says, I'm like a dog chasing my tail. If I called it, I wouldn't know what to do with it. We chase and we chase and we chase and we think we obtain it and we find it lacking. I would imagine that many of you here today, matter of fact, I would imagine all of us at one time or another have bought into the lie that if we can just get whatever blank is, and I'm not sure what blank is for you, it varies for different people, that I will be fulfilled. I will be satisfied in life. Blank is what is missing. If I could just get a little bit more of blank, I could have a little bit more of blank. I would be where I want to be in life, but the problem is I have learned this from experience. Once I get blank, it satisfies for a moment, and then I'm on to the next chase. We've all seen that cartoon growing up, and it's the person chasing the carrot. The carrot's on the end of the fishing pole, and they throw it out there, and Bugs Bunny goes after it, and he rips it up, and Bugs Bunny's always chasing the carrot because the goal is always moving. Obtaining blank is always there, and right when you think you get it, someone jerks it away from you. We spend our life frustrated, dissatisfied, discontent because it gets away from us and we feel like we can never obtain whatever it is. We're going to be talking about some different things over the next couple of weeks. The subject I'm going to be talking about today is not going to be a real energetic sermon because, again, I'm probably going to be talking to myself mainly. Matter of fact, when I tell you the subject what you're going to be inclined to do is, is to tune out and say, man, I don't struggle with that, but I'm going to show you where all of us struggle with this issue from time to time. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about things like comfort. So many of us chase comfort, thinking comfort is the end goal. We're talking about things like money. Chasing money, man, we just have a little more money and Everything would be okay. The problem is if we don't have good spending habits, it doesn't matter how much money we make, we just spend more. But I don't think that there's any more relevant subject in the history of time like today's subject at this time. Today we're going to be talking about the pursuit, the chase for fame. The chase to be known. The chase to have that feeling of significance. The pursuit of fame. 
I want to be admired. I want to be liked. Let me tell you the quickest way to let you know someone wants to be liked. When they tell you, I don't care if I'm liked. I don't care if people like me. Yeah, you do. That's why you said that. I want to be followed. I want to be accepted. I want to be respected. I want to be famous. And I get what you're saying. Immediately, many of you put up a wall and say, man, that's not me. That doesn't apply to me. And you might not have a full-out craving for fame, but all of us at one time or another, and it's literally destroying our society. We have what I like to call micro-cravings for fame. We want to be known. When we do something good and people don't recognize us for the good that we do, it affects us because we want credit for what we do. I can't tell you how many people have come to me over the years. And they say it in a laughing way where it comes across like they're joking. But they wouldn't say it if they weren't serious. I don't understand how you post something and get so many likes. And I post stuff and no one even notices. They're deflecting their insecurities there. They have a desire to want to be accepted. You say, I don't, but you do. How about, for example, for example, when you overcommit to certain things? You end up doing more than you'd like to do because you don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to let anybody down because you want to be known for always being there for people and you want to be liked. And God forbid you tell them you can't do it because what would they think about you? Micro cravings for fame. You do a job at work and no one gives you credit for the job that you do. You want everyone to know you did it. I always say one of the hardest positions to fill on any team and one of the most vital positions to fill on any team is the position of the second man. Behind every great organization, there's a great second man. You don't know his name. You don't know her name. She's really the one the company or the team or the entity cannot do without. They make everything happen and the guy in charge or the girl in charge gets all the credit. And we have this craving to want to be known for what we do. When we give, we want everyone to know we gave. Very rarely do you see people give and not post about it. When we serve, whether it's in the church or in the community, we get online and we post about it. Because we want everyone why to pat us on the back. That's not why I do it. It's exactly why you do it, whether you realize that's why you do it or not. (laughs) You like that you get the likes from it. You want credit for what you do. We have the need to want to be noticed. For some of you, you're that person that's just overly sensitive to any type of criticism. You can't stand it. hundred people can tell you that you did a good job and one person can tell you that you didn't and your ego's bruised because one person told you they didn't like what you do because our need to be accepted, our need to be liked, our need to be known It's something that we all have. One person makes one semi-not-nice comment on your Facebook page and you're on tilt about it. You can't handle it. Well, what do they mean by that? Why are you worried about it? What if other people see that? Why are you worried about that? We have micro-cravings for fame. I think social media in today's culture is probably the breeding ground for that. Did you like my picture? 
Man, I worked really hard to make sure that, that the wording was just right. I've been doing social media long enough and have enough people following me enough now, and I've been doing it long enough that I can almost tell you ahead of time how many likes or how much interaction or whatever every post is going to get based on what I'm posting. And I, interest of full disclosure, because I'm an egomaniac, and as much as I hate it, I crave attention, and I crave wanting people to think certain ways about me, I can go a period of time where I'm not getting a lot of interaction and I know there's certain things that I can post. I have an English bulldog. People are weird about English bulldogs. If I'm not getting enough likes, Derek, I can throw a picture of a tank on there, 300 likes just like that, boom, and I'm back, boom. And here's what I do. I throw it up there and I'm like, man, I'm back in everybody's algorithm. They just interacted. I'm not saying this proudly, I'm just saying, like, sometimes I can even ruin good moments with my ego. Mm-hmm. Say confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the ego. Let me go ahead and confess something to you. Last night, my daughter came down the steps ready for homecoming. And she looked beautiful. And she had already sent me a picture earlier in the week of us taking a picture last week for homecoming. She said, this is my favorite picture of you and me. So I knew when she came down the steps when I was getting a picture with her. And my motives were pure to take a picture of my daughter because I want to be able to look back and remember those memories. We took the picture and they left with Christine to go to the mill to take formal pictures, I guess. And I'm sitting there minding my own business watching football. The Georgia-Auburn game was on and Georgia had me irritated. And I thought to myself, everyone's griping about Georgia right now. So if I post about Georgia, that post is going to get overlooked. That's how ego works. I texted Christian. I said, hey, send me a picture. That picture of me and Emily. I knew I had a double doozy in that picture because not only was it a picture of me and Emily, I didn't know I had a double doozy. I knew I had a triple doozy. This is how it works. I knew people would post about how sweet the picture was. Every dad would do the same thing I did. They'd make a comment about Emily's dress being too little. So I was going to get interaction on that. And then I knew I had a Colorado Buffalo shirt on. And, man, everybody has an opinion on Coach Prime, so I was going to get three times the amount of interaction from one picture. I posted that picture, and I was right. He said, who thinks like that? Someone who chasing fame. Someone who can take a sweet, innocent moment. I didn't take the picture with that in mind. And think to myself, I'm going to post that right now. And then I'm going to get likes. And then I also knew this, because I know her so well. I knew if I posted that picture, I was going to get more likes because Christine was going to share it and write sweet things about me and Emily. And she did. Now, here was the deal. What I wrote was 100% honest. My daughter's been through some stuff. I love to see her smile. I hate watching her grow up. I wanted the picture... But that ego can get in the way, Derek. And sometimes we don't have the purest motives when we post them. You say, I can't believe you just admitted that. Well, sorry, if you want a fake pastor, go to all the other churches in town, and they'll BS you with their lies. They're posting it for the same reason, because they're all egomaniacs too, because nobody gets on stage in front of people and teaches that ain't got a little bit of ego to them. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Now, I know some of you are like, Gary, I'm above that. I get it. Here's my question, though. Are your kids above it? Because we're raising a generation that is finding their affirmation and their significance and their self-worth 
through how many followers they have on an app of people they don't even know. I was doing some research this week. I found this study interested. They said kids between, between 10 and 12 years old, the number one goal they have in life, the top desire they have in life, it's not to grow up and have a family. It's not to grow up and have financial security. You say, well, what teen, 10 to 12-year-old would think that? You're right. It's not even to grow up and be a millionaire. The number one goal in a 10 to 12-year-old's life is not to grow up and have a job they like. The number one goal in the average 10 to 12-year-old's life by a landslide is to be famous. To be broadly known. To be accepted. To be famous. I thought this stat was interesting. They said the average person between 22 years old and 37 years old, the same study said, 50%, 50% of the people between 22 and 37 years old think their life is so interesting that it ought to be a movie. 50%. The other 50% say that's stupid because we're not coming to watch your movie because it's boring. By the way, I probably fall in that category that thinks it ought to be a movie. I think it'd be interesting. But by grace, I haven't put myself in that situation. How many times have we been interviewed about reality shows, Christine? Several times. And every time I get to thinking about it and looking at it, and then you begin to read the fine print, you realize you have zero creative control. And you do enough other stuff that has video editing to it, and you were like, man, they can make us look like Honey Boo Boo real quick. <laughs> so while my desire for fame is popular, man, my uh, common sense wins out so many times. Fame, to be known, it's something that we all struggle with. Now, I want to make something clear before I go any further. We're going to get to the Bible. For those of you that are like, where's the Bible? Trust me, the Bible's coming. I can promise you we use the Bible around here. There's nothing wrong with being famous. Matter of fact, if you'll go throughout the Bible, you'll see that there's people in the Bible that the Bible makes very clear that God brought about fame in their life. Nothing wrong with being famous. Matter of fact, influence and stuff like that can be a tool to be used for the cause of Christ. There's nothing sinful whatsoever about being famous. Matter of fact, if you excel at whatever it is you do, you're going to become known for what you do. If you rise to the top of your field, you're going to be known in that field. Now, it might be a small niche field, but you're going to be known in that field. There's nothing wrong with being famous. The sin comes when we start pursuing fame. When we start chasing something that God never intended for us. In Chronicles chapter 14, here's the Bible. David was obedient to God. And God made him famous. Look what the Bible says. Verse 16. So David did as God commanded him. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all nations fear him. God tells David what to do. David's obedient to what God tells him to do. David is successful. Why is he successful? Because God told him to do something, and he did it. Amazing concept, very, very simple. Do what God tells you to do, and it'll work out. And his fame began to spread. David was faithful, and his fame began to spread. David was obedient, and his fame began to spread. <laughs> Scripture says that David's fame began to spread throughout the land, and the, land, the Lord made all the nations fear him. And Evidently, it seems that because David was obedient, God blessed what he did. God blessed what he did because David did what God told him to do. 
Because David did what God told him to do, his name became known throughout the land. Not only was David known, David had a son named Solomon. And the Bible makes it very clear that that God made Solomon famous. He said, I'll give you anything you want. All the riches in the world, all the fame, whatever you want. And Solomon said, I choose wisdom. God was so impressed that he chose wisdom over anything. He said, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you fame. So it's very clear that God comes along and he anoints people and he makes them famous in certain areas. You might not know this about me, but I'm pretty famous. Not for my preaching, but when I was 10 years old, I won the Georgia State breakdancing competition. You didn't know that about me, did you? I, got, I, I had moves. I literally traveled from city to city for all these, this is back in the day when they did community festivals, and I would rap at these festivals, and I would break dance at these festivals. It's been about 20 years since I've done that. Last time, though, I decided to bust a move. We put it on a YouTube video. The YouTube video went viral, ended up on Hannity and Combs, the front page of the journal, because, man, I had the moves. I'm famous in certain circles. <laughs> it's not wrong to be famous. By the way, that's me joking not joking that I didn't win the competition. Maybe one day I'll bust it out for you here. I don't know that Christine could handle it. She'd be so turned on she wouldn't know what to do, but you know, so I try to keep her in check in church. (laughs) The pursuit of fame though is very, very dangerous. It can be dangerous to your faith. You begin to serve your ego instead of God. You begin to serve likes instead of God. You begin to serve other people's opinions instead of God. It it moves your heart away from the trajectory of God and to the need to be fulfilled from the adulation of man. It can be a dangerous thing. I think about this subject, actually, and I think about how things have changed over the years. There used to be a day and time where you had to do something pretty spectacular to be famous. You were a famous athlete. You were a famous movie star. Those days no longer exist. You can basically get on social media and make a fool out of yourself and become famous. You can be cute and become famous. Anybody remember Alex from Target? Remember when the little girl posted the picture of Alex from Target and said how cute he was? And on Twitter that day, he had 130 followers, and it went viral, and everybody started sharing Alex from Target. And by the end of the day, he had 350,000 followers on Twitter. You remember? He became famous because he was cute for working at Target. You can become famous with just a catchphrase. I put that on a cracker. Put a wig on, be Cajun, throw it on a cracker, whatever you make, and eat it. Boom. The guy's got like 2.5 million followers on TikTok. Crazy. It's amazing what you can be famous for. Bubba and I were watching football yesterday, and I said, Bubba, you ever seen that dude on TikTok? And he wears the different football shirts, and he acts like they're all in the same room together, like he's the football teams, and they talk, and Bubba's, I love that guy. I'm like, that dude is so funny. So I was sitting there, I pulled him up, and he had 4.5 million followers for making fun of football. Just famous. You can go on Dr. Phil and say something stupid like, catch me outside, how about that? And then you can turn 18. And in your first day on OnlyFans, she made $1.8 million. You don't got to do anything spectacular to be famous nowadays. You just got to do something. And the problem is we're so hungry for fame and we're so hungry for attention and we're so hungry for praise that we don't care if what we're doing is pointless and fruitless or we look like idiots doing it as long as people praise us. We sacrifice our integrity and we sacrifice our honor for 15 minutes of fame. I was actually watching a show recently that went back and explored the lives of people who became famous at the beginning of reality shows, back when it was a craze, remember? 
And it was amazing how many of these people achieved a highness and where everyone knew them, and now, man, their lives have fallen apart. Matter of fact, Alex from Target, did you know he's not even on social media anymore? Because fame isn't what he thought it would be. I love this quote from Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. I wish everybody could become rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can realize it's not the answer. So what's the answer? I think throughout all of Scripture, nobody handled fame better than a dude named John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist was bad to the bone. If you don't know who John the Baptist was, he was the cousin of Jesus. He was anointed by God and called by God to make way for Jesus. So here's what I mean by that. Before Jesus hit the scene, John hit the scene letting everyone know the Messiah was coming. He preached repentance and he he preached that someone else was coming along. Now, John was a little bit crazy. He dressed in animal skins. He ate wild locusts and honey. He, uh, I, I don't know, he probably put everything on a cracker. I don't know. He wasn't all there. And he created a following. The Bible says everywhere that John the Baptist went, the masses followed. And when John would set up to preach, there'd be thousands upon thousands. The Bible said multitudes of people would be there to hear him teach. And people became loyal to John. And here's what I've learned. People will always become loyal to a leader, no matter who the leader is. And Jesus comes on the scene, and John realizes he's got to step away now and make space for Jesus. Because remember, what was his mission in life? To make way for Jesus. But as he begins to step away, the followers of John begin to challenge John. Who are you to step away? Look how many people follow you. You're as known as he is. Why would you give up your position of authority for him? And they got in his ear. You ever had that happen at work? Someone else gets the promotion, everybody else comes to you and says, that should have been you. If they respected you around here, you'd have got that promotion. That ought to be you getting the attention for all the events that happened. That ought to be you who's getting the attention for that. I've literally shared people's stuff on Facebook, shared it. And in the process of sharing it, you give them the credit for it. And have people message me and saying, who are you to share my stuff? Man, you you got 10 times more likes than I did. I should have got those likes. I'm like, like, did I have a gun to someone's head? It's in their head. John's building his platform. He's becoming an influencer. And it would have been real easy for John to allow his ego to get in the way. But instead, when the people came to him and said, why are you stepping away? Aren't you the one? He said, don't ever confuse me with the one. Look what he said in John 3.30. He said, he must become greater, and I must become less. Leave that up, Xander, because that's a powerful verse. He must become greater, and I must become less. How many people do you know that have the character to say something like that? I'm going to step away from the influence I have where he can have the influence. I'm going to step away from the fame that I have where now the fame can be directed towards him. I'm going to step away from the praise that I get where the praise can be to him. I'm going to step away from the message that I'm teaching because my message was he's coming and now he's here. And now that he's here, his message is more important. He must become greater, and I must become less. 
John said, I I want you to see more and more of him and less and less of me. He understood that fame was fleeting. John was actually the opposite, if you go back to the beginning of time, than Lucifer. Did you know that Lucifer was actually the right-hand Minister of music. They always say, look out for the minister of music to heaven. He was the most powerful angel there was. And yet his ego couldn't accept that he was the second man. He couldn't accept that God was more powerful and God got more credit and God was more known and he tried to overthrow God. And how did that turn out for him? See, things we don't think about when we're chasing fame. Nothing wrong with fame. We just got to make sure we're not chasing it. Influence will come to those God who to those whom God wants to have influence. When we start playing the comparison game, it gets dangerous. The problem with finding our worth and fame is there's always someone more famous. It's pretty easy for me to be a little egotistical fame-wise in Canton. I like to say I'm a very big fish in a very small pond. We can't go anywhere. We don't run into someone. People know us. People come up to us all the time. Hey, man, if you never left Canton, you would think, man, Gary's somebody. Then I can go 20 minutes down the road in 20 and go to Cartersville, and nobody knows me, and it puts everything in perspective. It'd be really easy for me to allow my ego to take control of me and be like, it's not enough just to be known in Canton. I want to be known all over. And then I start doing stupid things. Things I don't want to be known for just to be known. Because the things I'm most known for are things I don't want to be known for. Mm. We've got to get our ego in check. We've got to make sure there's a reason why we're doing what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing is not to get credit for what we're doing. And there's nothing wrong with credit. We all want credit. But at the end of the day, if you're doing what you're doing and you're not getting credit, but the overall vision or the overall goal of why you're doing what you're doing is being uplifted, that's all that matters. Unless it's about you. It's funny how those motives happen. We have some people in our life, and they can't stand. I don't know where she went, but if she was there, we have some people in our life that man have good hearts and want to do good things, but if they don't get credit for what they do, they become bitter about it. And it makes you challenge their motives on why they're doing what they're doing. It gets to the point that you no longer want them to do anything because they're doing what they're doing for the wrong reasons. Now, we have other people in our life who do what they do behind the scenes and no one even knows what they do. And it's funny, those people, I know what they do. I give them more responsibility and I build them up more and I pour more of my life into them. Why? Because they're doing it for the right reasons for the greater good. See, there's a dangerous thing when we're chasing fame. So how do we change our mindset about that? Because the reality is, even if you're not an egomaniac like I am, there's something in our wiring that wants affirmation and credit for the things that we do. It comes natural. I've thought about this a lot this week. I've prayed about this a lot this week. I have been convicted about things in my life this week. How do we take those 10 to 12-year-old kids and say, man, listen, life's not about being famous. Become the best at what you do and fame will follow. But make sure you're known for the right reasons. I don't know that there's anybody who's a greater example of being known for the right reasons and the wrong reasons locally than me. And I can tell you I much rather prefer the right reasons over the wrong reasons. But some of the wrong reasons were 14 and 15 years ago and still follow me today. When you're chasing things for the wrong reasons and you're allowing your ego to step up, 
can destroy you. Now again, there's nothing wrong with being famous. There's nothing wrong with being an influencer. There's nothing wrong with being known. But when you start chasing it, you'll miss the mark every time. I wrote down two questions, and it all boils down to motive. And I examined my life in some things this week. And I'm proud to say that I think in a lot of areas my motives are right. And there's a few things in my life that I'm not sure my motives are right on why I do what I do, and I evaluated those this week. And I begin to examine things, and I begin to ask some questions. I'm going to give you these questions, and we might get out of here early today. I don't know. But I think this is going to be a life-changing message. And the problem is, if you didn't tune me out when you heard the word fame and think it didn't apply to you, it's a life-changing message. Because listen, I've dealt with most of you. But I know your egos. I know when you don't get the pat on the back. Question number one. Who are you representing? Who are you representing? When you show up, when you talk, when you post, who are you representing? And do not bullshit me today. Do not lie. Do not give the patented Sunday school answer. I'm representing Jesus. Are you really? Are you really? In your motives and the why behind what you do, who are you representing? It's like the Sunday school teacher that says, what's brown and fluffy and has a tail and climbs in trees and eats nuts? And the kid thinks to himself, man, well, I want to say a squirrel, but I'm in Sunday school. Jesus the answer I got to give. When Luke was little, he'd come home from Action Kids. I said, what'd you learn about today? He didn't learn anything because he wasn't paying attention. But every time, Jesus. What'd you learn about Jesus today? He loves me. I'm thinking, that's not what the lesson was. Now, God, you did learn about Jesus. And at the end of the day, the all message is Jesus loves you. But what did you learn about today? Jesus. See, that's our first instinct. Well, I'm representing Jesus. But are you really if you're honest with yourself, are your motives pure? Now, here's the deal. I'm the pastor. If anybody's supposed to say, Jesus, it's me, but I'd be lying. There's a lot of times I'm representing my ego, myself. If I was to be honest, and I know it's hard because you don't realize this, that pastors are the biggest bunch of liars in the world. Though I like everything, they got it together on Sundays. But there's times in my life that my ego and my pride and my desire for fame, I am not representing Jesus, I'm representing myself. And every time that at the root, at its core, when I'm representing myself is when it starts to go wrong. Look what I've done. The crowd that I'm doing. Things go wrong. Man. Gary, I'm not guilty of that. Yeah, you are. Having a sweet moment with your spouse. And you can't even have a sweet moment with your spouse without, let me post it. The likes from the sweet moment with your spouse are more important than the moments with your spouse. I saw a picture the other day, this couple kissing and and it was was a beautiful picture. Talking about their anniversary. It was such a beautiful picture that I was like, how did they take that picture? Because it looked like they were alone unless they had a photographer in the living room with them. So I saved it. Boop. I blow it up. And right at the bottom corner of the picture, I could see the girl's arm. What a moment. What a moment. Talking about how great it's been to be together for 10 years. 
looking longingly in each other's eyes. You lock lips. And the whole time she's digging in her back pocket to pull out her phone. Because she knows when she posts it, what are you going to get? Congratulations on 10 years. I hope I find a love like you guys have. That's what I want. I want a love that in the middle I'm kissing my wife, she's taking pictures. Christine and I became very intentional a few years ago, almost to a fault probably, of living in the moment instead of trying to post in the moment. We actually now leave everything all the time like we didn't get one picture today. Because it was always that moment we had to have it. And then, not only do you take the picture, you won't post it then because you got to, ladies, you got to put a filter on it, don't you? That's the right filter. Oh, let me radiate the light back here. Oh, let me edit out that double chin. Let me just get it perfect. Why? Because if you know we post it just right, it might get a lot of likes and get shared, and we'll get a lot of affirmation from it. We're not trying to represent Christ in our marriage or our relationship at that time. We're trying to feed our ego at that time. You want some Bible to go with that? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though we are making his appeal through us, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What's an ambassador? It's the highest ranking official. It's the highest ranking diplomat sent from one nation to another. Christ has sent us to be his ambassadors. We represent him here on earth. We're here for a purpose. If there was not a purpose for us, God would have already taken us home. And when our purpose is fulfilled here, you might not like this God takes us home. He says, hold, I go to prepare a place for you. When I'm done, I will come for you. When he's done with you here, he has a place prepared for you there. And while we are here, In every area of our life, he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, every aspect of us. In every aspect of our lives, we represent God. We represent God in our family. We're his ambassadors. We're his ambassadors at our career. We're ambassadors at our job. We're his ambassadors when we're out having fun. So when you go out and you have fun and you make a a jack whatever of yourself, you're representing God. When you post on social media... I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching we. I might not even be preaching we. I might be preaching to myself today when we're representing God. Does that mean you ought not to have opinions? No, you ought to have opinions. But, but do your opinions come across a way that glorifies God? Are they rooted in biblical belief or your personal vendetta? <laughs> By how we look and how we act and how we love, how we dress and how we post. Everything we do, our goal should be not fame, not fame, but to bring glory to God. I, I look at pictures sometimes, and I'm not, listen, man, I'm not anti you filtering yourself. Some of you people probably do need to filter yourself. But when we filter ourselves, are we insulting the Creator? the one who shaped you and made you? Are we telling the world, hey, man, I love God, but I'm not good enough. I need to filter out some blemishes. Who are you representing? And the second question, and I'm going to be done. As we're moving through life and we're obtaining to make sure that we're not chasing fame, who are you representing? Question number two, whose approval matters most? Whose approval matters most? Again, (laughs) should be Jesus. So often we're playing to the crowd. I get it. I'm the king of playing to the crowd. We laugh at jokes we shouldn't laugh at because we're trying to fit in. We're not shining light when we should be shining light because we don't want someone else not to like us. And then next thing you know, instead of a living For the approval of God, we're living for the approval of the crowd. And why is it today that we do that? 
Why do so many people today crave being known, crave being noticed, crave being admired, crave being respected, crave being followed, crave being popular, crave being broadly liked? Psychologists say most of the time it can be taken back to a hurt from our childhood. Something scarred us. We were overlooked. We were picked last for the kickball team. Didn't get asked to the homecoming dance. I don't know what it is. Didn't get to sit at the cool kid table. You ever look back at your days in high school and think how stupid you were? Problem is, some of us adults are still like that. Oh, did I say that? Maybe your parents never came along and and, and they didn't tell you that they loved you and were proud of you. It's a valid thing, I get it. Maybe you were never good enough growing up and now as an adult, you want that approval. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. As far as human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Paul laid it out to the Thessalonians. He said, here's who we should be. He said, we're messengers of the good news. What is the good news? The good news is Jesus so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to who are believing in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The good news is the gospel. I think it was me and Randy the other day that were talking. Uncle Randy were talking about Billy Graham, and Billy Graham had one message, God loves you. We're messengers of that. And we need to remember that as messengers were approved by God. So whose approval matters most? His approval matters most. Less about me and more about him. Less about my ego and more about his glorification. Less about me getting the credit and the Son of Man being lifted up. You know the powerful thing the Bible says when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. When you put your ego off to the side, when you don't care who gets the credit, it's amazing what can happen. But ego gets in the way so many times. We're called to be faithful, not famous. We're called to be faithful, not known. We're called to be faithful to the one. And we need to understand that when we're faithful, God recognizes. Some of you need to hear this. When you serve every week at this church... And certain people might not even know your name. God knows your name. When you give sacrificially, and no one knows you give sacrificially, God knows you give sacrificially. He will honor that. Better to be honored by God than praised by man. Your faithfulness makes a difference. Your wording makes a difference. The Bible says in Psalms 115, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Here's the deal. If you ever want to be the person God created you to be, you need to make sure you're making Jesus famous and not yourself. I came out of that movement 15 years ago. I lost everything in a movement where, as a pastor, I was bigger than God in some people's eyes. I was the rock star. I get on social media today and I see that we have taken pastors and we have made rock stars out of them instead of men of God out of them. 
We have people that are more interested in how many likes they get and how many comments and how many shares and how many people are following them on different platforms. And they're not interested because they want to do good. They'll tell you that's what they want to do. What they really want to do is they want to feed their ego. And I'm going to tell you, you will always come up lacking. Because there's always someone more known. I told you at my last church before I lost that church because of my ego, we had just got named the 16th fastest growing church in America. I look back now and think that's pretty cool. Except I got invited to a dinner where the top 25 of us got to go. This is how egomaniac I was. Really godly pastoring a church at this time. My chest was bowed out when I was around 17 to 25. When I got around 1 through 15, I felt like I was doing nothing. I got angry and I got mad. I felt like I didn't measure up because I wasn't number one. So much glory to God. There was no glory to God in that meeting. There was glory to self. Ego. Since when did we take the things God have built and start labeling it like it's the CMA Awards? Like it's Fortune 500. 16th fastest growing church in America, and I'm out there chasing women who I'm not married to. You think God was more impressed with me or the guy who ran 75 people across town who was faithful and obedient and showed up every week and preached the word of God uncompromising? Sure, I had the praise of men, but probably had the broken heart of God. Now, I can let my ego get out of control. I know you find that surprising. I didn't even hear what was said over there. Listen, but contrary to popular belief, it's something I'm very conscious about now. I try to use what I have now to build up other people in the process, give praise to Christ. And I don't always do a good job of that. But I wrote those topics down, chasing fame. And I didn't even really realize I wrote it down. So I went back and looked and said, man, I got to preach on that. But I think we have to be the uh, standard in that. We have to break the cycle for that for the next generation. Again, nothing wrong with being famous. Just make sure being famous isn't the goal. We must decrease. He must increase. Let's pray.